Hey, welcome to this new podcast about value investing and evaluating individual companies. My name is Felix Notnagel and I have with me Alex Middleton. Hello. We're uh, two value investors. We've done this for the last 10 years. I think, Alex, you've done it a little bit longer than me. But yeah, I read my first Peter Lynch book back, I think, well, 1996 or 1995. That's how I first got into it. Okay. Yeah. So you've done it way longer than me. Yeah. Well, you probably got a lot better quicker than I did. I took, sat at a very, I plateaued for a while and didn't really improve my investing uh, capabilities for a long time. But, uh, and then I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh, anyways, Alex got me into the value investing. Uh, we met at work and we both live in Calgary. Yeah. Um, kind of came up with the idea of this podcast because we're, we're listening to a lot of value investing podcasts and they always go into principles and hey, I'm minimizing risk and maximizing value, but they never really talk about individual companies and uh, yeah, how to and, and never value, value, put a valuation against companies. And I was always looking for a podcast that would kind of uh, uh, talk about individual companies, give me new ideas, and also would talk about how they think about the risks and the positives about the company and how they would, uh, what's the valuation they would put on this uh, and how they would come up with these valuations. So since no one was doing it, I thought, hey, let's just do that. Yeah. And I guess we also figured, hey, even if this is not a very good podcast in the end, it just gives us uh, time to sit together and discuss stocks and gives us incentive to really go into depth and research mm -hmm. individual stocks. Um, I guess what we've planned for the next year or so is like do like one company on a monthly basis that we feel is maybe looks cheap right now and, and that we kind of evaluate it and, and see go, yeah. go in depth. That's the plan going forward. Yeah. And if anything, it's good practice and, uh, Yeah, we're just looking for to add a little more detail, something that, uh, yeah, more detail on how people evaluate companies and, and hopefully to create discussion and uh, engage with other people who are looking for the same thing. Yeah, I, I hope maybe we can uh, provide some value to other people and maybe other people will get back to us and provide some value to us. That would be great. Sure. Sounds okay. Good. So the first stock we decide to discuss today Uh, is uh, Berkshire Hathaway and uh, yeah I don't think this company needs much of an introduction I think we won't have a ton of listener here at first we're starting out with this podcast but uh, the people that will listen are probably interested in value investing and are well aware of Berkshire Hathaway big conglomerate and run by two of the all-time great investors Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. The market cap currently is around 480 billion and uh, it's been fluctuating around this for the last month or so. Um, Alex, do you own any of Berkshire Hathaway? I do. Yeah? Yeah, significant portion of my portfolio is allocated to Berkshire Hathaway. Um, I would say Initially, it was probably around 20% maybe uh, a year ago, and now it's about just under 50% of the portfolio. 50? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wasn't aware that. 
went up that much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm slightly above thirty percent of my portfolio right now in mm-hmm. Berkshire Hathaway. I think I would be willing to go up to fifty, but that's that's about it. So let's talk about why we would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, why did uh, why did we choose to talk about this company? Uh, I think it's, I mean, it's one of those companies you feel comfortable with for a long time. And obviously when you first start value investing, it's, it's a very, uh, comfortable choice yeah. because you see Warren Buffett and, uh, and, uh, you know, everyone's made money over the past, whatever, yeah. 52 years of it being existing. Right. Yeah. And even when it's market caps, 400 billion or $480 billion, there's still, I feel there's still a, a huge, uh, upside to it really and um yeah and it's, it's it's very easy and we, and we haven't really done a really deep dive into the company for a long time so um this okay. kind of forced us into it yeah i agree it was kind of similar mm-hmm. similar thoughts on why we should pick it and i guess i would also add we that's probably the com- company that we both know the best so since this is our first yeah. podcast it kind of helps to to kind of uh choose a company and, yeah. and figure out, hey, do the topics that we discussed, do they make sense and do we have all the answers right. to the questions? So, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you like about the company? Uh, I guess my favorite thing is about Berkshire, obviously, is you have uh, a really good capital allocator leading the organization. He's getting old, but I mean, he could easily live for another 10 years. And, and, and there's some other people that could take over and do a really good job in the allocation of uh, the investments at the same time. But the big advantage of, of Berkshire and a lot of similar companies like it, like Markle and Fairfax, are, you know, they ha- if you have a well-run insurance business that has a 100% combination ratio, that provides a lot of leverage needed to, to, to get it to outperform the market, you know, I mean, it's like a a 0% rate loan and that type of business model works really, really well. I mean, it's hard to copy, but once you find someone who can do that, it's, it's a huge advantage. Yeah, I agree with the things you mentioned. I would say, I would maybe add that uh, it's a very diverse company. Mm -hmm. There's like, I don't know, 80 different operating businesses and a whole bunch of uh, partial ownerships through stock. Yeah. Holdings. So it almost acts kind of like an index fund, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it is diversified. I mean, even with their largest holding now, I think it's Apple, which is probably around 40% of, as you say, shareholders equity or market cap. Sorry. It's about 11%. It's like 40 billion, 40, I think. 40 billion dollars. Yeah. So 10%, 11%. Yeah. So, and, and, I mean... And that's a pretty reasonable holding for a company that size. I mean, you don't even have to have a, an opinion on Apple's investment to, to not be comfortable with them investing at that, right? And so it's diversified, but they run a really good insurance business that, that, that makes money yeah. in most years. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. What do you not like about the company? Well, I, I think one of the, the things that on a lot of people's mind is the the size that it's getting to and it's getting a little more difficult to allocate that capital to get a a decent return Um, because the insurance portion is becoming a smaller and smaller portion of their investable amount of money. Um, 
it's still significant, but uh, it's getting smaller over time. I mean, when you look, when, when you started out, you got like, what, like 30% annualized return? Yeah. And now over the last 50, it's an average of 20% annualized return. Yeah. And then if you look at the last 10 years, you're at about a 10% annualized return. Yeah. It's just size size matters and you, you will not get back to those kind of returns no, of 30%. Yeah. So I feel the same. There's, there's somewhat limited upside. I mean, yeah. we'll get into valuation and, and what kind of returns to expect later, but yeah. probably 10% is reasonable and it's not something to, to cry about. But probably the downside is, yeah, you won't be seeing 15, 20% returns. Yeah. Unless you buy it at a very cheap price, market crashes, and yeah. then you can, you can actually do better than maybe yeah. the return on equity that For they're sure. doing now. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that the other downside is maybe the age of Warren Buffett. Yeah, I think, yeah, that would be one of the, the downsides as well. Yeah. Um, it's a, it was a caveat, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's such a strong culture, so many like capable managers yeah. in the company. It's not a reason that I wouldn't buy Berkshire yeah. that he's old, but I think it, it will take some value off the company. Initially, if, yeah. If, if he were if to pass away, dies, yeah. it would take some, but you know what, if, when you look at Berkshire size now, they're probably, they have room for maybe, you know, a few more big, big deals, you know, and, and, and Buffett will be around for that. But, you know, after that, like, you know, they're going to have to, the, the, the pool of stocks or companies that they can buy is becoming smaller and smaller. And the ones that are willing to sell and to Berkshire Hathaway and the ones that are worth Berkshire Hathaway buying, it's even smaller, right? Yeah. So I think it's almost time to the point where it's like okay you know there's, there's not much room more big companies to buy i mean you can do small add-ons to his existing companies where they you know what does he call it when the one of the berkshire half of bolt bolt ons oh. or something yeah. bolt on acquisition yeah. yes but uh, yeah i mean there might be some changes there might be a dividend eventually there might be share buybacks yeah uh I think there will still be lots of capable people in the company that yeah. will continue running it well. And yeah. what I like is just all the operating businesses that are just so strong. Yeah. And I think they will continue to just create tons and tons of free cash flow. And it's just a matter of uh, how to allocate it. And right. I think it will not be as good with Buffett being gone, but it'll, there's still ways there, to there, find uh, uh, places to spend money. So. I mean, as long as they have that, that insurance um, float and they're allocating money to, to, to uh, investments that will at least get, you know, five, six per, percent per year, you're, you're definitely going to get more than the, that, the S&P average return of, you know, 7%, right? It's because they have that leverage, right? So I think I calculated like... All they would need to really do to get that seven percent is to get actually return three and a half to four percent on their investments to get that seven percent return on equity. Oh wow! Okay, that leverage. That's for the insurance parts. Uh, for their portfolio inside. So if you took their took their all their their float and their existing assets, it just have to return three to. Four Three and a half to four percent to get that seven percent return on equity. Okay. Um, 
let's get into some of the questions uh, that I think we want to discuss for uh, all companies that we'll be discussing, like uh, management mode, competition, yeah. like bros, prospects, yeah. things like that. Sure. I, uh, I guess uh, first one would be management. We've, we've kind of touched on that, but uh, what, what do you think about management of this company? Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously Warren Buffett's one of the best out there, the, is the best capital allocator, you know, throughout time. And he's taken virtue from a, an old failing textile to what it is today. And uh, so I don't know how you can knock it. And he's done with Berkshire, what everyone thinks about doing the big companies is letting people operate their own business, doing hands off, you know, and letting people perform mm -hmm. and it's worked. Yeah. I, I, what I would add, yeah, I mean, his track record, I mean, says it all. There's not much else to be said. Also, I think his message is always consistent and logical, like his mm -hmm. um, annual reports are fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you, you and I would also what's really important I think he treats shareholders as partners where yeah. some management always kind of like shareholders are an annoyance that you have to justify yourself yeah. to uh, he really thinks of of them as partners to inform them as well about the business and yeah. to treat them as fairly as he can and yeah. and create as much value for them as he yeah. can so that shows and we've been both been to the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting and that shows with yeah the size of the shareholder meeting now and the way he communicates with everyone in the letters it goes a long way and yeah uh, what about uh, Berkshire's mode and competitors any any thoughts on that uh, when you th well I mean it's hard to look at Berkshire as one big moat I mean you'd have to parcel it out I think their reinsur reinsurance business has a moat I mean, when you look at the types of uh, uh, contracts they sign, I mean, it, it helps that they have such a huge, uh, the, their size is so big, right? Capital base. Yeah. And for some, for some deals, like companies will only go to Berkshire. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they, even like, I think Swiss Re has a shareholder equity of like 35 billion, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if something were to, one of their policies or there's a, claim that, that, that didn't turn out that well, it could be, uh, have a significant impact on the, the net worth of the company. And I think Buffett even outlined that in the shareholders letter this past year is that these, the hurricane season had like one, will have one or 2%, you know, effect on the net worth of, of Berkshire. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of other reinsurers, it's going to have like 10 to 15% uh, impact to their net worth. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a significant moment. And then you can parcel it out with all the different companies they have. Uh, their size has also helped them in the energy business as well. Yeah. So. I, I, the way I thought about it, I'm like, you can't really compare it to a direct competitor as you could like maybe yeah. say Coca-Cola compared to Pepsi or no, yeah. it's, it's just because they have 80 different businesses and a whole bunch of uh, shareholdings. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought about it. I looked at the biggest businesses, which is reinsurance, which yeah. we discussed has a 
pretty significant mode just by the yeah. size and people know when it comes down to it Berkshire will be able to pay yeah versus that might not be the case for other companies right yeah um, if you look at Geico uh, tremendous cost yeah. advantages over yeah. its competitors yeah if you look at uh, you mentioned Berkshire Hathaway Energy yeah and uh, I think uh, the railroad those are kind of the toll road bridges in a way there's almost no other yeah ways to 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 go yeah uh, apple yeah i think has quite the mode uh, um, even the new purchases in precision cost parts yeah. the yeah big big supplier of airplane parts or, yeah and uh where where this where where their customers will not go to anybody else yeah and that's for like when i looked at it it's like all the biggest holdings had just tremendous modes yeah and i was like okay uh it's like I really should be really f focusing on modes. I mean, we always yeah. knew that, but just like looking at that again, it kind yeah. of drove it home again. It's like, yeah. man, like you look at all his holdings, and they're just they're very well competitively positioned. Yeah, and one other thing you mentioned is that they're starting to use their Berkshire Hathaway brand a bit more in some of the businesses. Like, you know, uh, Buffett talked a bit about the. Uh, real estate agency portion of their business growing significantly and they use the Berkshire Hathaway brand they just renamed a bunch of them yeah. I think and so I think they see that leverage and there is brand power behind that and that could be hmm. considered a moat as well over if they can withhold that that perception of quality honesty and everything what do you think about the growth of the company, growth rates, uh, free cash flow, gross use of free cash flow generation? Yeah, I think uh, when you look at their top holdings, you know, uh, they're going to they're gonna have decent returns going forward. And I think that's what they're aiming for. You know, when you look at uh, uh, BNSF uh, Railroad, it's, you know, all railroads have a mold because they're not building new ones. The tracks are laid and no one's, you know, issuing bonds to, to build a new to railroad anymore. So, and, and, and Buffett's right that the, there will be more volume carried on those railroads into, into the future. There's not a, a, a viable alternative, really. I mean, you can uh, say, you know, aircraft is an alternative, but it's a lot more expensive for heavy goods. You're not going to ship coal on, on an airplane or uh, steel, um, I mean, truck, I mean, there's there's place for truck, but it is more expensive. I mean, who knows if autonomous trucks became, become reality, but right now, you know, the cost differential between moving a ton of, of cargo on rail is still a lot cheaper. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not just autonomous also, it's the, the fuel cost on, on rail is yeah. like a third or yeah. something like that per yeah. ton mile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did uh, some calculations just over the last 10 years, so from yeah. 2007 to 2017, because I just wanted to see yeah. how, like uh, what was going on and uh, uh, book value per share, uh, cumulative annual gross rate, yeah. Kager. Um, was 10.5% uh, so it went from 78,000 to 211,000 per share yeah. and that's per A class share right um, so 
roughly 10% book value growth. Uh, normalized earnings per share uh, increased roughly by nine and a half percent. That one is a little bit difficult to calculate because what is normalized earnings? I, I kind of, I mean, you have to make some adjustments for um, uh, stock holdings where you only see the dividends right. on the income sheet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you also need to adjust for maybe if you had a really good underwriting year on the insurance, mm-hmm. then you got to average that out, right? They're not going to make like two, three billion every, right. every year in underwriting. Yeah. Some years you're going to lose a billion. So yeah. um, basically what I, what I came up with was that the kind of earnings were roughly uh, 11 billion uh, in uh, 2017, uh, 2007, uh, normalized and maybe thir- it's around 30 billion right now. The earnings power. They also have a bunch of cash probably where they can earn some. So does that more money. include all the earnings from their companies and and look through earnings for all their stock holdings as well, or would it be say if you look consider the actual earnings and all the stuff, their proportional earnings and all the stocks? Uh, when you add oh, the, 8 billion on top of that or whatever. So their operating earnings, like let's say in 2017, after tax was probably like 15 billion. Mm-hmm. And then you have on top of that some insurance underwriting mm-hmm. and you have uh, uh, dividends from investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so you end up somewhere at like 25 billion. Right. Right. But uh, you don't see in that 25 billion, you don't see the uh, um, right the earnings so from the stock holdings that 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 these companies retain right that but that creates value for uh, Berkshire right okay so, so thirty billion would be inclusive of, of thirty billion would be inclusive inclusive okay. of everything yeah I mean like right now if you look at the P of Berkshire it'd be really low if you look at it on Google Finance or something yeah. but that's because of the tax changes right so you would see like earnings of like forty five billion yeah which is totally not yeah. what their real earnings power is. And if you look like last year, I think, and the last two years or so, it was about 25 billion, but it doesn't show all of the yeah. true earnings. Yeah. So I think the true earnings are somewhere between 30 and 33 billion. Yeah. Um, this is a really good, a, a few really good letters by Samper Augustus. Okay. I don't know if you read them, but you should read them. And they're just, they go into like pages and pages of details of what the true earnings power of Berkshire is. Yeah. So it's a super good read. Um, revenue per share went up by 6.8% from 76,000 to 147,000. And the price per share went from $90 in 2008 to about $190, $200 right about now, uh, which is uh, a CAGR of 7.8%. Okay. So if you if you look, and I would say uh, in 2008, the stock price was fairly high. It was mm-hmm. like uh, $90 and then right. it dropped down to like 50 or so. Yeah. So if you would have bought the company so in uh, 2012 at $80, yeah. you would have probably had about a return of 70% yeah. annualized. So if you manage to buy this company in pockets where it's really yeah. undervalued, yeah. you can do much better than the 10%. But I think all of these numbers kind of indicate you're, you're looking at about a return of around 10% or so over the last 10 years. And I think that's 
reasonable going forward. Right. Yeah. Uh, like a return on equity, and depends on the share price. If you if you're buying this, if you're getting it even cheaper than what it's worth, maybe you get some price earnings multiple expansion. Yeah. You can you can potentially do better, but I think ten percent is very satisfactory. Um, yeah. So if you think it's it's going to be growing at ten percent per year going forward or say it's nine to ten percent I think return on equity yeah I think yeah. somewhere between eight and twelve percent yeah I don't think there's much of a possibility of the return on equity being higher yeah. than twelve percent I just don't see it being lower than eight and so, somewhere nine ten is the most likely I would say and you said normalized earnings are 30 billion so do you think that the stock today is 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 well priced considering its growth like is the multiple say because it's about you're saying it's thirty billion, and if you do a multiple of fifteen on that, about four fifty. Yeah. So is that a reasonable price to pay for Berkshire today for that? So if we're, if we're saying hey, the earnings power is thirty billion, then right now it's trading at about P of sixteen mm-hmm. four eighty. Yeah. And um, you know what I I think. Um, opportunity cost matters. Yeah. So what's what's your alternatives? Yeah. So my alternative is buying the S and P five hundred. Yeah. Buying ten year government bonds. Yeah. So ten uh, year government bonds. I don't know two percent return. Yeah. Uh, S and P five hundred is trading at a P of twenty five. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about a four percent return. Yeah. Um, it all depends on yeah. what what does the market do, yeah. but it's it's really quite expensive so if the if those are my other options sure there's other individual stocks that I could yeah. buy but I probably don't have the same safety as yeah. kind of in Berkshire as we discussed like with this diversification that they have and yeah. the conservative balance sheet etc etc but I think a reasonable multiple in, in current times is probably a P of 20 on earnings like if the S&P 500 trades at a multiple of six, yeah. I don't say Berkshire's worth a P of 20. Yeah. But when the S&P uh, trades at a multiple of 25, um, I think a 20 multiple is reasonable. Mm-hmm. You could say, okay, maybe a, maybe a 15. I think at the, at the kind of return on equity they have, yeah. uh, a P of 15 is, is fine in any kind of yeah. environment, you're going to get a reasonable return. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I think you could definitely make an argument for it to be a multiple of 20. Yeah. So if you're saying 30 to 33 billion in, in earnings power, normalized yeah. earnings power, I think you're talking about 600 to 660 billion mm-hmm. of uh, intrinsic value for the company. Yeah. And it trading at like right now 480 billion. So yeah, I think the discount is probably a little bit over 20%. What does that so. translate to B price, either your estimate? Uh, I don't know that off the top of my head. At 20% on like $200, so roughly I would yeah. say 240 or so. Yeah, yeah. Because I did all my analysis on B share price and okay. everything, but you know, and I, I'll just kind of go briefly go through the way I analyzed it. And I came with a very similar target. Um, basically, what I did is I looked at the size of their current uh, equity book value. I looked at their insurance float, and I saw you know they have a huge piece of cash in there, and I just made an assumption going forward. What do I think? You know 
Buffett is is going to get at a minimum going forward. Or what his goal is? He knows what his goal is: is to continually be in the S and P five hundred index. You know, and Munger has, has, has mentioned in the past during shareholder meetings that he believes that they can continue to do that because they're above uh, average businesses that they have and the leverage they have in their insurance. Um, and so, basically, I think it comes down to two things. You know, one, you have to make the assumption that their insurance float is going to continue to be roughly between a hundred billion, 115, 120 billion, right? And my other assumption was that they, they're going to continue to find some, at least a few decent sized investments that are going to get them the desired return. And I think those are both very plausible assumptions to make. Um, uh, so just prorating that out, you know, you, and you apply a, a multiple of 15 to 50 to 20, like as you did, I think the P share price is worth probably 250. And then if you start thinking about at some point along the way, they are going to allocate hundred billion dollars to new businesses, which are going to add to the earnings of the company too. So, um, you know, maybe that's, that's not priced into the stock today and it could, you know, the, the value of Berkshire could be up to, you know, 275 even mm-hmm. if you think it from that perspective. I don't know how long far that, that along that is going to be where they find that spot to, uh, that company to invest a hundred billion dollars into it. So, you, so you're talking about the cash holdings and yeah. government bond holdings. Those, those yes, yeah, those things. Yeah, and then his desire is to to buy one or two giant companies that are going to contribute to earnings and the intrinsic value of Berkshire for the long term yeah. in a big way. So, um, the, the risk is when that opportunity comes. It will come, but. It just matter when, and so. But as of today, yeah, I agree. With the current earnings and their stock holdings, it's probably worth between up to two fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what would you rate the business on a scale of one to ten? Like one being like short the hell out of it. Even so, we both don't short, but uh, you know, just absolute garbage. And ten being like, hey, this is the best business ever. Let's back up the truck. Um, so for me, I, I mean, I have close to 50% of my portfolio. <laughs> so I, I think that's as close as you can say is back up the truck. But I think to me, it's, it's, it's a trade off between how, you know, confident you are in the future results and the potential upside. You know, I don't think, you know, you, if you only have a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars worth of, uh, savings, you yeah. know, you might want to you could probably find something that or, or want to risk that a little bit more on something else. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, you put 50% of your portfolio into this. I, I just think it's, it's very, I'm very confident that it's going to get eight to nine, 10% return. And I'm okay with that. That's, that's my goal. Right. Yeah. And I'm very comfortable with getting that return. So you like the safety it provides basically. Yeah. 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 Um, so rated a nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying okay. nine, yeah. Yeah, I gave it an eight. Um, yeah. Basically, the, the 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 negative being, hey, I know I'm not getting 20 percent return yeah. annualized, right? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I figured like a, a ten, I will never rate any business a ten. Yeah. So I need something. Yeah. That I can uh, that is just as safe as Berkshire, but yeah. it's going to return has way better 
yeah. gross potential, but I, I don't know if I'll ever find that company, so I'll, yeah. I'll give it an age. One other thing you might like, you know, it's worth mentioning is that you know, we are 10 years into the bull, bull market cycle, right? Yeah. And it's one of the, I think, one of the longest, or if not the longest, bull cycle that's happened so far. So there is going to be a recession in the future at some point. And, you know, Berkshire is kind of one of those companies where you can bet on it. And even if the market continues to do well, it's going to benefit. And then if the market doesn't do well, so it goes down, down in price for a few years, but they have a hundred and hundred billion plus worth of cash that they're going to buy some companies during that time or make some decent investments. And so the upside will be even better. So it's almost like a hedge on existing markets, you know, I think, um, at least, and there's other companies that are kind of like that as well. So would you buy more? I'm assuming you probably will add, but would you, would you increase your position above 50%? I would, I'm uh, kind of, bought some recently because yeah. I sold some other stocks that were that I'd made some smaller gains on and, and just reinvested that money into Berkshire is, is there a limit where you would say hey, I'm not going above uh, on a portfolio percentage um, or you would be like comfortable going 100% Berkshire? It, it, it really depends on price okay I think yeah but at today's prices I'm, I'm comfortable 50% but so, so you. If it went down to to to, to you know one times book, then yeah, okay. why not? So you would sell other holdings and and would add to Berkshire, yeah. and you would go to hundred percent. Okay, yeah. For me, I I kind of in my mind I was thinking yeah, I, w I would be happy to go up to fifty percent, which mm -hmm. is really a stark uh, contrast to when I started investing. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't have more than five percent in one yeah. position. Yeah. So. Now I'm up in Berkshire up to 30%, which I was yeah. like, oh, wow, okay, it's fairly big. But I was thinking, okay, you know, if, if the price drops further, and I think there's an even bigger discount to intrinsic value, yeah. I would probably be happy to go up to like 50%. Yeah. And uh, I, do, I, I don't know. I, I feel I'm too conservative to like ever be 100%, even, even so maybe there's no reason if, if Warren Buffett has 99% of his net worth in Berkshire, then... Well, you know, Warren Buffett... Also, he could live off that 1% <laughs> of, of the other 1% forever. If you so, think about it, you only got 10 years, you know, 5 to 10 years left in your life and yeah. you've already come this far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for, for me, I, I feel comfortable yeah. having a little bit more diversification. Also, I'm, I, I like to play. I like to kind of see what, what other stocks are out there yeah. and, and kind of... Test your and, skills. Yeah and, and, yeah, and see if I can do better than 10%. But <laughs> I, th I think it's definitely good to have a, a good size of your portfolio in this stock because I do feel it's very safe and it's just trading much yeah. cheaper than the S&P 500. Yeah, or the, I mean, we, we, we're comfortable with those sizes because we know Berkshire pretty well. Mm -hmm. But if you had another company that you were really that comfortable with, yeah. you, I mean, you could justify going to 50% as well as if, if you understood it and you knew it was a good business. But uh, for us, it just happens to be Berkshire and yeah. it is a good company. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I'm, I'm shocked. So to say that you're up to 50%, I had no idea about that. Yeah, well, not, not shocked, but very surprised, right? I didn't realize it. it must have been creeping up recently in your portfolio quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I sold a few other stocks that were up uh -huh. uh, 
considerably this year. And to be honest, like just for me, I mean, there ha- I hadn't found something that was worth reinvesting that money into other than Burke and Burke. Berkshire was down, uh, you know, we're, we're at 1.32 of book right now. Uh, so I think, you know, it's a pretty reasonable time to get into Berkshire. Mm. I mean, it might go down further, but yeah. Anything else to add about this company? No. Yeah, I don't have any, any other thoughts either. I mean, I think this went quite well for, for our first stock discussion and mm-hmm. first podcast recording. Yeah. I hope uh, the listeners enjoyed it and uh, got value out of it. Yeah. I mean, they might not uh, like Berkshire as an idea, but maybe kind of uh, maybe they get some value out of what we, yeah. how we think about businesses. Yeah. You know, what's the management like? Yeah. Um, what's the uh, mode of, of, of that company or yeah. the competitive advantage yeah. or is it is it a strong mode? Uh, yeah. uh, what do you think about the competitors of, of, of the company? What, what do you think about uh, growth of the yeah. company and uh, um, the, the, the capital deployment? Yeah. So those, those sorts of issues, I think. Uh, and yeah, maybe Maybe people get value. Maybe people can get can get back to us and yeah. and give us some feedback. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I was looking to get feedback. We like to engage with like-minded people, and uh, yeah, I'm always looking to learn. So great. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed it, and look forward to doing our next podcast. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Disclaimer. This podcast does not constitute investment advice. It is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Do your own due diligence and use the information provided at your own risk.